How are you doing? Good, good. Good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Who's looking forward to just getting overloaded on sugar and chocolate? Anyone else? No? Yeah, the kids are looking forward to it. I think we had a conversation at a family event, um, I think it was last week, uh, about just how much chocolates get thrown away around about July, August, when you look in the cupboard and you realize there's still all these Easter eggs that you never got around to eating. Does anyone else have that? No, no one else has that problem. All right, just, just us. We need to eat more chocolate, babe. That's what they're saying. But what a fantastic thing to be celebrating. Um, you know, celebrating uh, Jesus Christ and celebrating the cross, uh, which is the ultimate reason really for uh, Easter, but also celebrating everything that came with him. Uh, everything that came with uh, the cross and with Jesus, things like hope, uh, things like joy and, and the revelation. You know, the cross was a revelation of God's love for us, that he loved us so much that he sent his only son. Uh, things like uh, celebrating things like breakthrough. Who's, who praises God for breakthrough in life? Uh, things like freedom, uh, forgiveness of sins, that's always a big one to be thankful for, uh, redemption, and, uh, you know, wh- one of my favorites, the restoration of that relationship with our Heavenly Father. Awesome things to celebrate. And, you know, in the season, we always remember um, Jesus, and we remember a man who uh, was fully human and yet fully God, who came down uh, as love for each in every one of us. Came down his love for each and every one of us. And so um, on Friday, you know, Debbie shared about God's great love and uh, the transaction and the exchange that took, pay, took, pace, took, took place, that took place uh, on, on the cross, and that through Jesus we received uh, this amazing gift of, of eternal life uh, and salvation, as we're told in, in Romans 6 and uh, if you missed that on Sunday, then uh, jump online during the week and you'll be able to find uh, both Fridays and uh, this morning's message on there. But let's pray uh, before we get started. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord. We praise uh, your Son, Jesus. And we, we, God, we thank you that this is the day the Lord has made. Father God, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for this precious gift that we receive of uh, life, Father God, life in abundance and life to the full. And we thank you, Father God, that uh, you are almighty, that you are creator, and that you loved us so much that you reached down uh, and grabbed a hold of us through your son, Jesus Christ. And so this day, we, uh, Lord, we just give you all honor and all glory and all praise Uh, for every blessing we have in our life. Father, we give you honor and glory and praise for our salvation. Uh, Father, we give you honor and glory and praise, Father God, for all the good that you have done in us and the good that you will do through us. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we called uh, this Easter series this year, uh, Come to the Altar. And uh, many, well, most of you would know that I was brought up in the Catholic Church. And so in the Catholic Church, we kind of have this big table that sits right at the front uh, on, on the stage. 
which is the altar. And sitting on that altar, you'd have things like uh, the communion bread and the communion wine, the port, uh, the port and the, the bread. And you'd also have a big Bible that's sitting on there. And then you might have some candles and some flowers uh, that, that sit uh, on this altar. And uh, in, the, in, the, in the church during the service, there are these boys called altar boys. Uh, so there's two groups. There's the altar boys and the choir boys. And I never quite made it to the altar boy because I was always a choir boy. And, and so there were these altar boys who choir boys kind of looked up to because they're all kind of dressed in their white robes and they're kind of out the front there. Um, but their job is to serve the priest at the altar. So throughout this one, one hour, one and a half hour service, you'll see things just kind of flow smoothly and, and altar boys will just bring to the priest exactly what he needs at exactly the right time and then they'll take it away and put it back where it needs to go. And uh, at any stage, if the priest has, has kind of got to a point in the service and he kind of goes, whoa, I forgot to bring these out of the back room, then uh, you know, he'll just send one of his altar boys uh, to the back room um, to, to kind of go and grab it. And so many old church buildings and uh, many cathedrals today uh, contain these structures or these altars that sit at the front of the church, which is probably what most of us would picture and what most of us would think of uh, when we mention this word altar. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's certainly what I think of uh, due to my background uh, when uh, I hear this word. And we read in, in Scripture that some of the greatest characters in the Bible built altars unto God. So Noah built the first altar when they came out of the ark unto God. Abraham built an altar to God. Isaac built an altar. Jacob Moses, they all built altars to God. And then right throughout church history, you see that in the temples, they had uh, these altars that sat in there, and there were two altars. There was the altar of incense and the altar of holocaust, and one which sat behind the curtains where only the priests would be, and then the altar of incense, uh, which was a brass one, sat out in the courtyard where uh, everyone kind of uh, was able to go. And the altar was defined in biblical times, simply as uh, probably what we think of it now, a structure upon which the offering was given to God. It was a structure upon which people made offerings to God and sacrifices to God. And the sacrifice, which in those days was animals, was uh, the offering and uh, was the primary form of interaction and exchange that took place at the altar. So you have these structures that people brought their animals to, to sacrifice and to God. And so the altar was a place where the divine and the human worlds interacted. That was their significance. It was the place where human beings came and they interacted with God through their sacrifice. And when you read back through the history, it's, it's often recorded that, uh, that God responded uh, to people's activities into what was going on around the altar. And so this morning we're going to have a look at what that kind of means for us as we kind of sing songs like come to the altar um, and as we kind of talk about what it means uh, to come to the altar, uh, connecting some uh, New Testament references to uh, the interactions that took place around uh, the altar in biblical times. And so if you're taking uh, notes this morning, uh, our first note is simply this, come to 
the altar. Sounds easy enough. But what does that mean? So we have an altar that's set out for us uh, that we can come to. And no, it's not the sort of altar that we've just talked about. It's not this table structure that things are prepared on. Uh, it's not a, a structure that uh, sacrifices are made on as they were in the Old Testament. In Hebrews 13, verses 10 and 11, it says, We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy places as a sacrifice for sin. So the, the word that's used for altar here is a word um, used figuratively for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we have an altar that we can come to, and the altar that it's speaking of here represents the sacrifice of Jesus. And then in verse 11, we get this distinction between uh, the altar of old and the, the new way of doing things, almost suggesting that there is a, a new uh, there is a new system and a new way to move forward. It says in verse 11, under the old system, the priest, the high priests brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for us. So this is the altar we've just talked about that they had uh, in the temples uh, and in biblical times, that altar of sacrificing uh, their animals on for atoning for sin. And the suggestion is, uh, it follows that previous verse, is that there's a new way and a new system for doing things. So this passage of Scripture follows uh, the crucifixion of Jesus um, Christ. And so when we come to the altar, we're not talking about these structures. We're not talking about uh, a, a tangible item that we kind of come to uh, or somewhere where we kind of prepare uh, an offering because the, the, the price has already been paid. The offering's already been laid out for us. Uh, and so this morning, I want to kind of um, share with you my thoughts on what, uh, you know, what that altar is. So kind of take it and chew it and go and research it. And, um, but this is what I uh, kind of felt as I was um, preparing for this morning's message. As you see, I believe that the structure or the altar that represents the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the cross. See, I think the cross is God's altar. You know, it was the altar upon which our Savior was sacrificed. It was the altar that is the cross of salvation. You know, the cross is the altar where the exchange began and where it finished. You know, the cross is the altar that influences life, both now and forever. The altar of the cross is where God responded to our need for salvation. Amen? And you see, the cross, and, the cross and Jesus are so intertwined and so connected together uh, that, that we can't come to an altar of the cross and not acknowledge the lamb that was slain up on it for our sin. Otherwise, it's just an empty cross. 
You know, the altar, we can't come to the altar of the cross and not see the altar of the cross that gives us our salvation and not see Jesus. And also in reverse, we can't in the same way look to the Son of God or we shouldn't look to Jesus and deny the crucifixion and the resurrection that brought life through himself. Also proving him to be the promised Messiah. John the Baptist tells us in um, John 1 verse 29 that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the Lamb of God. And the cross was the altar upon which he was sacrificed. And so to come to the altar is to come to the foot of the cross, not just one time in our lives for a salvation, but to come to the foot of the cross frequently, acknowledging that he is our savior and we need his cleansing every day. Amen? It's a bit hard to admit sometimes that we need his cleansing every day, eh? But who knows that even after the first time we come to the cross, the second time we come to the foot of the cross, the third time we come to the foot of the cross, every other time we come to the foot of the cross, uh, we still kind of walk away and stumble. Who knows that? We still kind of walk away and we fall. But to come frequently to the cross is acknowledging Again, that he is our savior, and it's acknowledging that we need him. So we come to the cross, God's new altar. And as we come to the altar, our second point this morning is that we bring everything to the altar. You know, the cross... Uh, is an altar of interaction. It's an altar of exchange and of influence. And for us, as we walk with him, it's an altar of influence in our everyday lives. And praise God that through our Savior, it's also an altar of love and of grace. And so as we sung this morning, when we come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. When we come afresh to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Oh, just let me pray for a minute. Father God, I just pray that you drop that revelation into our hearts. Lord, that as we come to the altar, that your arms are open wide. Father God, may we never sing that song the same way again. But Lord, may your Holy Spirit just bring power that as we sing and come to the altar, that we know you are there, full of grace, full of love, full of mercy, full of acceptance. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. Do you know, when it comes to our lives uh, on earth, God's interested in every part, and I know we all uh, understand that, but uh, 
it's so easy to, to still be selective about what we bring to Jesus. <clears throat> Maybe it's just me, but uh, it's so easy to kind of pick and choose uh, what we kind of come before God with. But he's interested uh, in every part of our lives. He's interested in all of it, and he is able to influence it at the altar. He's interested in your struggles over temptation. He's interested in your struggles at work. He's interested in your struggles in your relationships, wherever they may be, with family, uh, with friends. He's interested in your successes and failures. He's interested in your joy and your sorrows. He's interested uh, in all of it. And you know when we say all, it means all. And though he already knows everything uh, that we're going through, he already knows every feeling, you know, when we bring it to him, uh, we're inviting him to interact with us. We're inviting him to influence us. We're opening our hearts, and again, we're just saying, God, you're awesome and you're so big, and I need you. You know, it's an altar that I've often referred to and thought of as uh, the place for the once and for all exchange and also the now and for always exchange. And I think that uh, often people can get uh, into this place where it's a once and for all exchange, where our salvation is kind of sewn up. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen people just kind of give up at that point. And not walk with God. But it's not just that. It's also the now and for always exchange. Once and for all, uh, in our salvation through the cross, bringing forgiveness, dealing with our sin, once and for all. And now and for always, uh, in that we bring to the altar our daily stuff. Has anyone else got stuff in their lives? Stuff. Has anyone else tried to sort out their own stuff? Has anyone just driven themselves completely crazy trying to sort out their own stuff? Now and for always is bringing to the altar our daily stuff. And allowing God, (coughs) excuse me, and allowing God to influence it. You know, there's a story in John where Jesus and the disciples, uh, they were coming together to celebrate the Passover meal. And so they come into the home, and, and as they come in, Jesus starts to wash their feet. And uh, in that time, washing of feet um, before dinner, washing of feet when people came into your home, it was normal. It was customary. Um, you know, we might think, oh, that's a bit strange. Um, but it is what they did. Uh, in that time, and it was, it was a normal part of hospitality, that when you came into someone's home, uh, the host in the home would wash your feet, uh, and, and the reason they did that is because everyone walked in jandals uh, from place to place, uh, the roads were dry and sandy, and so their feet would get dirty, and so uh, it was a customary service for uh, the host of that house to, to wash your feet, and, um, and in doing that, they showed honor to you as a guest. And so two things about that, that picture is that the first one, the, the, the washing of the feet, the person doing the washing of the feet was serving. 
and the people whose feet were being washed were being honored. And so here we see Jesus, um, who was king, bestowing this honor uh, on his disciples and serving them before they share the Passover meal. And Peter pipes up and he goes, oh, Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, yes, I'm going to wash your feet. Uh, And then we read in John 13, verses 8 to 10, Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. That's strong words, eh? Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not my feet, but my head, my hands, and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. And you know, I believe these verses are symbolic of Jesus washing and cleansing us for forgiveness and cleansing us through his blood. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. You know, by his blood, through our salvation, we are clean. We have been bathed in God, in Jesus's righteousness. Uh, But in verse 10, it says, only your feet need cleaning. You know, symbolizing uh, for us uh, as Christians that in our walk uh, through everything that we go through, and uh, even though we've uh, been bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we still need a regular cleansing. We still need to come to the altar. We still need to bring our stuff and have our feet washed. Amen? We still need to bring everything and bring it always. You know, cleansing of our actions, cleansing of our attitudes, of our behavior, cleansing of the stuff that's in our heart that's, that's not pleasing to God. And it's bringing those wholeheartedly uh, to God for his powerful forgiveness and cleansing. And I believe that as we come uh, to the altar this way, God is faithful not only to uh, forgive and deliver, but to completely transform us, to completely exchange the stuff that we're going through for the gifts that he has for our lives. I believe he's, he's able uh, to completely renew our minds and transform our minds. And so as we come to the altar and as we bring uh, all of our life uh, to him, uh, it's important this morning that uh, in your third point there, we receive at the altar. The altar always was, as we've heard, it is, and I believe it always will be, a place of exchange a place of communication, of communion, and of God's influence. You know, Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, but to each one of us was given, uh, was given a, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. In Hebrew 4 verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love that. Come boldly. No, I don't don't think there's anything wrong with us coming to Jesus expecting to leave changed. 
In fact, I think that's the whole point. I don't think there's anything wrong with us coming to the cross with our stuff, expecting to leave a little bit, feeling a little bit different, expecting to leave thinking a little bit differently, expecting to leave uh, seeing something that God wants to reveal to us. Uh, I don't think it's unrealistic for us to expect uh, any of that and to, to expect to go away having received from the Holy Spirit and having received from God. You know, through our interactions with uh, Christ and the cross, uh, we received that grace and that forgiveness that we've talked about through um, salvation. We received life and life to the full. And then flowing from that are those amazing gifts of God, of his love and his mercy and his grace and his anointing and his power. What if we expected to walk away with those things every time we came to the cross? What if we had the faith to feel uplifted by those things whenever we came to the cross? You know, I believe that we can come away from God's presence and from the foot of the cross having received a fresh anointing every time. And you know what? We may not always come away uh, feeling uplifted, We may not always come away feeling great. We may not always come away feeling like anything's uh, changed or like anything's going to look any different. But I believe that most of the time, God is going to move faithfully for us and allow us to walk away feeling those things. Amen? And then at the time when it doesn't feel like that, we receive from the altar by faith. When you come to the altar and you've laid everything down and you don't feel like anything's changed, you receive by faith. Believing that our God is a good, good Father, that our God is faithful. Believing that He'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen? So can I encourage you this morning uh, as we close and just as the worship team comes to come to the altar to bring everything to the altar. And as you come and bring everything to receive from the altar. Heavenly Father, we just come to you with our arms lifted high in worship. Lord, we come to you this morning with our stuff, knowing your amazing grace, knowing your love, knowing that death has been conquered and that we're on the winning side. And Father God, we want to receive from you this morning. Pour out a fresh anointing, we pray. Pour out a fresh anointing, we pray.